interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Glad to have you along. Uh, I mentioned last week I was going to run the Lincoln half, and by jolly, I did. And you know what? It was the slowest half I've ever run. But it was still, I see it ranks right up there with one of the more enjoyable runs I've had because it's just a great event. It's just a wonderful, wonderful community event. And uh, the weather was nice, uh, just perfect for runners. And, uh, and I, I hope that uh, if you got out there and you cheered some people on, uh, or maybe you got irritated by some bad tra- traffic patterns or something like that, but it's a really, really uh, cool event. And, uh, I, you know, I saw people faster than me, uh, mostly faster than me, a few who are slower than me, and everybody's out there for the same reason. It's just a great, great opportunity uh, to celebrate Lincoln and, uh, and to just get out there and move. So uh, I'm grateful. Every time I run, I say, thank you, Lord, for legs that work. And as long as they work, I might be slow, but I'm going to give this thing a shot. Uh, today, I'm very, very pleased to have with me in studio uh, a longtime friend and uh, a pastor, professor, and pastor again, uh, Bill Thornton. Pastor Bill Thornton. Reverend Bill Thornton. What do you, what do you, we're just going to stick with Bill today, right? Yeah, you can call me Bill. They call me Pastor Bill downtown, but you can call me Bill. You're my friend. Nice. (laughs) Sweet. That is awesome. You know, we've been, we've been through a lot together, haven't we? We sure have. Yeah, yeah. You know, and in fact, one of the things, uh, I mean, we've been doing lunch and, and having a friendship for quite some time, but one of the moments in the Stu Bill relationship that was, that was truly unique and special was uh, after the uh, 9th and D fire, uh, mm, right? That's right. We, we came and, and worshiped in your building on Sunday mornings for, for quite a straight, I don't know, a couple of months or something? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It was great. We are glad to be able to do that. So you know, in in the old days, that just seems like something in Lincoln that would never happen. That uh, an an actual competing quote church right. would say, "Hey, come on in and uh, make yourself at home, and uh, we we want you to be uh, safe and warm for a while." <laughs> exactly. Well, and I think it's because well, I think our two churches don't feel like. We're competitors, yes. you know. We feel like we're a part of the same team. Yes. So, which made that a pretty easy thing to do. It did make it a pretty easy thing to do. Um, there, uh, you and I have both been on our own little journeys here. But uh, a part of your journey was how many years were you at uh, Capital City? Thirty years. Thirty years. Right. And then, uh, and then you uh, went to Nebraska Christian College. We were Professor Bill for a while there. That's right, for a little over about seven and a half years, full time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you got to put all that practical ex- experience and knowledge to work. And then Nebraska Christian uh, just uh, closed down. Just closed down. By the way, that's a sweet little campus out there. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah. And uh, I-, I think it's still for sale. Really. <laughs> I'm not for sure. I haven't okay. heard recently, but I know mm-hmm. it it didn't sell right away. Well, it's I mean it's not a cheap piece right. of land, right? Exactly. There uh how many acres does that include roughly? I think it was 40 acres okay. altogether. So it's yeah. a pretty good chunk and the, the but the buildings and the, and the land and and then Papillion is kind of moving that way, right? It is. There's a lot of development out that way. Mm-hmm. So eventually somebody's going to have a the right purpose in mind for mm-hmm. it and it'll 
get snatched up, I'm just sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then, uh, so when that happened, it was kind of like, what's next? And then uh, God really opened up uh, a wonderful door. And for how many oh, how many years have you been now at F Street? We're coming up on two years at the F Street Neighborhood Church at mm-hmm. 13th and F Streets, mm. downtown Lincoln. Now, the uh, we're going to talk a little bit about F Street Church. A little bit about, uh, uh, I'm on the board for uh, your son's ministry, Jacob, as well. We're both uh, board members there. And uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Who knows? Maybe uh, we can talk about Ukraine. I'm not sure as much to say, except that it's uh, just a tragedy and right. hope that it ends quickly. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but F Street Church, uh, remind us of, the, of how that church was birthed and kind of what's unique about that church. Oh, okay. You mean besides the fact that it is located in the Marathon Island? <laughs> yes. We did have services, but we had a noticeable uh, decrease in attendance because it was a little bit difficult to get to 13th and F yesterday yes, yes. morning because of the marathon. But mm-hmm. we were glad to be a part of that in that way, too. Mm-hmm. The F Street Neighborhood Church is coming up on eight years. The 1st mm-hmm. of June will mark our anniversary, eighth anniversary. Mm-hmm. It's actually a plant of the Northern Lighthouse uh, which is on North 14th, north of Superior Street here in Lincoln. Mm. And um, that church has a, a great ministry uh, to folks uh, who are inmates as well as people who are coming out of incarceration mm. and found that a lot of those folks are, when they do come out of prison, locate in downtown Lincoln. And so the desire was to mm. find a building where a ministry could be launched there. And the uh, former St. Paul United Church of Christ closed about eight years ago. Mm. And uh, through some really rather remarkable circumstances, the uh, Northern Lighthouse folks uh, were able to secure that building. And Mm. the F Street Neighborhood Church was launched with uh, Jeff Hirspink, uh, who's our lead pastor, uh, being one of the founding pastors of the church. Yeah, yeah. And so then, uh, so six years into this, he says, hey, I could use some help uh, rowing this ship. <laughs> and got in, and uh, you were available. And uh, so what's your role down there? Well, I'm the teaching pastor. Uh, mm-hmm. We had a group of folks from Jacob's Well who were meeting in the F Street building for six years, same time. Mm-hmm. It was like churches meeting in morning and night essentially trying to minister to the same area mm-hmm. and we came to the conclusion that we would we could do it better together than we were separately and as it turned out uh, i was available to help out as a pastor too so mm. so it's worked out doubly great for us it has been a really good uh, experience thus far now you're uh, not that you would walk every day but you're close enough you could walk Right? How many blocks away do you live? I live seven blocks from the church building, yeah, so. and I do walk many days. Not today, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, yes, uh, like typically on a Sunday morning, I love to walk over. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, you get a. The other thing about that part of the city is that you get a real sense of the of the neighborhood by walking through it and right. uh, kind of seeing what's going on down there. What's the uh, now? You're a little bit. Uh, East of where the mm-hmm. of where F Street Church is there, but uh, what you know, what would you say is the percentage of of folks down there who are living in rentals? Uh, from what I understand, over ninety percent wow are living in rental, uh, mostly apartments. Mm-hmm. Some of them old homes that have been divided up into apartments. So yeah, yeah so it's a very very densely populated part of the city. Mm-hmm. Lots of people everywhere. 
because of the rentals, is it is it transient? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, folks move in and folks move out. Uh, it's uh, it tends to be um, low income for the mm-hmm. most part, and um, so there's a lot of high need in association with that. And so, um, yeah. yeah, we find ourselves dealing with uh, a lot of different things. Uh, the people move in and move out. There is quite a bit. Actually, there is quite a bit of crime. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, we have to deal with drug abuse and drug trafficking, some human trafficking, some mental illness. There are a multitude of, of issues that we are, that we're taking on. And, and in working with folks from the neighborhood, we desire to be a church that is really mm-hmm. a neighborhood church. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, we want folks from the neighborhood to feel welcome. And uh, and in doing that, we found ourselves, you know, I'm finding myself personally challenged by some things that in no other context have I faced these things. So it's been a growing mm-hmm. experience for me, too, and I love it. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, every church has problems. Every church has people with stories and issues they're dealing with. But uh but there's something about money. It, 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 it doesn't take away your problems. It just allows you to kind of cover your problems right. a little bit. And so with an area where there's a little less money, there's a little bit less ability to cover up some of those problems. They just become more raw, right? Right. That's exactly right. In fact, that makes it in some ways easier to minister to people because they are upfront about what it is that they're dealing with. And, um, you know, um, Still desiring to have uh, dignity and respect, yeah. but uh, but their brokenness is just a little more apparent, I would say, mm-hmm. than it than in other contexts where we've like lived out in the suburbs uh, in former ministries. But mm-hmm. uh, but really, a lot of the same things, and yeah. uh, so it's it's great to be able to bring the gospel uh, uh, to bear on mm-hmm. these. Uh, these different kinds of circumstances, it's been neat to see some of the transformation that's taking place in people's lives. You know, we're working with people, a lot of them who are recovering from addiction. And uh, one of the biggest heartbreaks, I would say, is the um, uh, when people uh, relapse. Mm. Uh, it's not usually when you're working with addicts uh, a matter of if they're going to relapse, but when they're going to relapse and to not give up hope. Yeah. You know, to grieve with folks when they go through that, but also to be there to encourage when they decide that they're ready to pursue recovery again. Yeah, yeah, that's great. We're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to uh, show how, uh, I think, uh, Jacob's Well, which we'll explain a little bit more too, and F Street Church have a lot in common. There's a lot of overlap in the work that's being done in that neighborhood. That sounds good? very true. Yep, All right. we'd love to do that. All right, let's take a little break. Uh, Stu Kearns here talking with Pastor Bill Thornton. Uh, you are listening to Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. Keeping the topics lively and the conversation civil, this is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499 KLIN. We are back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Pastor Bill Thornton from uh, F Street Church and Jacob's Well. That's right. Um, there were uh, now explain for the folks uh, some. I mean, I've had you on before. I've had uh, Mark on, who's the d- director of uh, Jacob's Well. But just describe briefly what Jacob's Well is, and I'm sure the listeners can kind of see how there's a there's a symbiotic relationship between uh, what you're doing in that neighborhood to try to minister to people. Exactly. 
Jacob's Well is a community development nonprofit, so it's not a church, but it meets a lot of the same needs that the F Street Church and other folks who are working downtown are trying to meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a ministry that's intended to try to help the folks in the neighborhood uh, experience the love of God in very practical ways. And of course, the hope is is that in time there'll be opportunity to go even deeper and further with the gospel. But we deal with uh, we work with very practical sorts of needs, and presently we are uh, uh, helping uh, with uh, with uh, the food needs that many folks have through mm-hmm. our pantries that we operate. Uh, we have a kids program. We're presently working with middle school age kids and trying to help mentor and encourage them. One of our big dreams right now is um, we've noticed uh, during COVID that we have a number of folks who were increasingly feeling isolated and uh, folks were not able, family weren't able to visit and so forth. And we have a number of elderly people living near us that we're, we're trying to develop a, um, it's kind of a mentor friend program, I guess you would say, where we will be, um, you know, pairing younger adults with some of our older neighbors uh, to bring encouragement and support. And so we're super excited about that. So, mm-hmm. so those are some of the things that we're doing to try to, to help love our neighbors as we love God. Yeah. Now you mentioned pantries and uh, this is mostly little pantries. Very little pantries. Very little. Yes. Explain, explain what, how this got started and, and what exactly it is. Well, it, it started out as a little library out in front of our house. Uh, and, uh, course during covid uh a lot of our lives were altered in terms of the normal way we do things we were involved with a food distribution in a much bigger sense in a more central place but we're no longer able to do that and so we instead of books we moved groceries uh, non-perishable food items into this little pantry and it wasn't long before we were filling ours you know two or three times a day and became aware of other food pantries or little libraries that were also available to us. And so we're now working primarily, I think, with three or four of these little food pantries where we're on a regular basis trying to uh, make food available. And it's intended to um, to kind of help folks have a, you know, know that there's going to be food in their pantry, but it's also intended to, if we can kind of help save some money in people's personal budgets when it comes to food, then it allows those limited incomes to be stretched to maybe pay rent or go to the doctor or pay for utilities. So yeah. it kind of stretches and helps in that way as well, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, uh, Zion's been involved in, in uh, FoodNet for exactly, you know, yeah. a long, long time. And, uh, and two things. Number one, we were kind of wondering, will people still find us on South 27th? The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, we've definitely... Uh, found us. The second thing is that with those increasing expenses, our numbers are way up. Yeah, uh, we got a lot of people coming through and who are just trying to stretch that budget. And uh, and so again, FoodNet is another you know a free opportunity to get things that are at or near expiration date. And right. uh, no means testing. No, you just come drive through. We're going to put a box of food in your car, and it's and it's not junk. Right, it's good stuff. What are the stuff? Uh, so the pantries. How is that? Uh, how is that being? Uh, that who, who or just is Jacobs Well buying this stuff? Are people donating this stuff? Is it all of the above? 
Uh, it's uh, primarily donations, mm. and it's been kind of cool to see how that's uh, taken place. Our grandson, uh, who lives here in town, uh, did a thing, uh, had an event, actually, a haunted forest during the Halloween season mm. where the price of admission was a canned food item. And about 2,000 people went through that event, and we had, as afterwards, a garage full of food uh, that really helped us throughout the winter. Mm -hmm. Uh, More recently, Jacob's Well had a uh, spring maker's market. Uh, In fact, last weekend uh, at Capital City Christian Church, our old church, and uh, again, the cost of admission was an item for our food pantry, and mm. we came home with a lot of food from that event as well, too. Mm. So as well as there are there are folks who just they go out and shop when they shop, and they drop off a bag of groceries on our front porch. Mm. And so if anybody's listening and want to do that, you know, they can find out how to contact us at Jacob's Well, and we'd be glad to to let them give them the information that they need to know so that they can yeah. connect with us and we can make that food available to people. Yeah. So that's one practical way that they can actually help what yeah. we're trying to do in downtown Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, uh we, I, I get down there from time to time to uh, the Jacobs well house and, and we have a little porch time and, oh, and, yeah. uh, you guys, that's kind of one of the things you guys do quite a bit is just, uh, say hello to people in the neighborhood, get to know names, get to know stories and uh, just in the short times, just a few times that I've been down there, every time somebody has stopped by the little pantry. Oh, yeah. Usually to pick up something, sometimes to drop something off. Yes. Uh, I think somebody dropped off some soup that was like in a Tupperware. Oh, wow. So just, yeah. for, the, just for the record there, we'll take it in the can. But, right. Uh, but, it needs to be non-perishable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I thought well you know maybe they meant well you know but uh, no no Tupperware soup yes but that's exactly right we occasionally like we get clothing items donated it is kind of funny <laughs> there are a pair of high heels in the food pantry you know that yeah. did not fit Marcia's so they were yeah. <laughs> they were redistributed somewhere else <laughs> that's right that's right it is uh, it's such a little thing and yet it's a big thing. That I've noticed, again, whether you're out there or Mark's out there or, or your wife is out there on the porch, uh, just making eye contact with people, waving in a friendly way. Right. Not, in a, not in a menacing, get off my lawn way, but just in a, hey, right. um, I'm, I'm your neighbor. And right. uh, that, uh, it doesn't sound like much, but it is. Why right. is that? Well, it's really interesting. In the We've lived downtown about 10 years, mm-hmm. and we've seen the neighborhood change over that time through that kind of friendliness. Mm. It's just the, you know, the willingness, you know, not to overdo it, but Mm -hmm. to be friendly, to smile, to speak. And we found that most people smile and speak in return too. I think there's a desire for community. Mm -hmm. There's a desire, uh, you know, to, to have connections with other people. And I will say that Mark and Marcia, my wife, are are just awesome at that. They really mm-hmm. do. I mean, very intentional about sitting out on the porch and uh, greeting people as they go by. Yes. And it just it has changed the whole feel of the neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, to one of of friendliness. Because as as you kind of model that that kind of behavior, what it does is other people kind of repeat that uh, to other folks as well. And mm-hmm. it just has a way of you know, it's like the one little candle that's lit that can permeate the darkness that 
if you do a little bit, it's amazing how that'll just multiply over and over again. That's a, that's a great uh, word picture again of what's going on down there. I know that the that oftentimes the oh you know you're going to bring kids in for a meal and and you know well, let's just get pizza or whatever. But why if anything is homemade, right? Just mac and cheese, but right. they but you made it in the kitchen and served it to them. That's a pretty big deal, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. yeah. And our kids, we uh, they just love coming over, and mm-hmm. um, you know we're working on you know really basic kind of things in terms of you know trying to encourage them about with you know to be another voice that's saying things like you know do well at school, yeah, you know remember your manners, mm-hmm. God loves you, you know all these all these different things that are important messages for. You know, I just took it for granted as a kid growing up that I had those voices for my community, my parents and others who were speaking that mm-hmm. and living that around me. And, and I, really, that's what we're trying to do with the neighborhood kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Going to take another break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to explore some of the other things that you've been up to down there. Uh, Stu Kearns here talking with Pastor Bill Thornton. Glad to have you along. You were listening to Friendly Fire on The Voice of Lincoln, 1400 AM and 99.3 FM, KLIN. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. Welcome back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday uh, talking with uh, Pastor Bill Thornton here of F Street Neighborhood Church and uh, Jacob's Well. And uh, again, I get down there from time to time and, and hear some of the stories. And one of the stories here. Sometimes we, we think about things happening in the big cities and other places, but, uh, but again, things, things happen in Lincoln, too. There are uh, most, a, a lot of the violent crime, uh, my son lives roughly in that neighborhood, too, mm-hmm. and you kind of pay attention to where things are happening. Exactly. All those kind of mm-hmm. things. Uh, Mark was telling the story about, uh, well, one of the cool things is, again, uh, having, uh, starting to have kids come back. Right. And maybe some middle school kids. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, some other things like that now finally being able to happen again. Uh, uh, before I, we get to it, there's a story I want you to tell. But before we get there, uh, you know, COVID is, was so disruptive to churches, so disruptive to families. But, it's, but a very personal face-to-face ministry like uh, Jacob's Well, also COVID was very disruptive. Right. It almost shut us down completely. I mean, it was just really, other than putting food out in the pantry where people could walk by and pick it up, that was Mm -hmm. pretty much what we were limited to do. We couldn't really have any meetings, couldn't have folks into our home. Uh, So it was really, it was really, really tough. And a lot of these folks live in isolation anyway. And so Mm. I know a lot of folks suffered during COVID, but it was really intense with a lot of our neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Last time I was down there, Mark was telling a story about uh, well, it started off as, as just a couple of kids who seemed kind of worried and concerned, and, and it kind of escalated into something more. Uh, can you recount what that story was about? Well, right. We had, a, we had someone pounding on our door, and so Mark went to the door, and there's these, these two neighborhood kids who, who tell us that this lady was trying to, was trying to kidnap them. Hmm. And, uh, you know, so Mark... Uh, had them come in the house, and uh, these are a couple of our regular kids who come over for. So we recognized them, and we knew that that this was legitimate. That they were genuinely upset. So Mark stepped out, and there there came a lady up the sidewalk uh, who uh, had gotten out of a vehicle, and uh, uh, 
said, what was said she was looking for her kids. And mm-hmm. Mark said, well, those are not your kids. And she said, oh, yes, they are our kids. And uh, and so they basically had a, a kind of a stare down. And Mark finally told her, you are not going to come any closer. You need to turn around and leave. Well, about that time, uh, the vehicle pulled up and, and she hopped in and took off. And um, come to find out, these were folks who were, were trying to traffic these kids. Mm. Uh, I mean, we have heard that such things happened mm. here locally, but this is was our first experience mm. uh, with it. And uh, later on, after the kids were secure, we, we talked to the police and... Uh, and the police, of course, are wondering why the if the kids weren't our kids, why they were at our house. And that gave us an opportunity to talk about Jacob's Well and mm-hmm. what it is that we're trying to do. And they were, of course, they were were pleased to hear that. But uh, after the fact, Mark actually went looking around the neighborhood and found the vehicle uh, with the people in it. And of course, he didn't try to intervene further, but he did call the law enforcement and told them where they were at. And I think the police went ahead, and I don't know what eventually came of it, but yeah. uh, at least they were reported to the police. But it was just, it was very unsettling uh, for us to think about that kind of stuff taking place in the neighborhood. But then when I think about these two young kids, um, you know, it's, we we live in a part of town where a lot of the kids do not have what we would consider probably like typical middle-class American supervision. Uh, and so there is a lot of roaming around and, uh, and not supervised. And so it's the likelihood of something like this happening is really, it, it is quite likely. And so, but we were grateful that they, they knew that our house was a safe place to go mm. and that somebody would take care of them, would intervene for them. So, mm. We're just grateful that we had that relationship and the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Now, Mark said something about the uh, the, the woman may have said something to the effect of, yeah, your mom sent me here to get you. Right. And uh, so that that was the ruse that. Right. Uh, that. Uh, but then by the time she got to the house, it wasn't that, you know, mom sent me here to get you, but these are my kids. Right. Exactly. And to try yeah. to muscle him. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> and of course, if you know Mark, uh you know, there's no muscling, Mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not going to get out, uh, out muscle him. So yes, yes, he has a rather intimidating uh, pose. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, and then by golly, it came in handy. It did. Uh, that is that is just so staggering to think of of uh, because okay, it did happen in your neighborhood, but the truth is that could happen in any neighborhood, right? You know, you really can. Your mom told me I need to pick you up from an event and kids, you know, somebody else's I'm so and so's mom and I'm here to, you know, take you home. Uh it could could it literally could happen anywhere. It really could. That's one of the things that we have noticed here in the last few years is that a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with downtown is it is taking place in other parts of the city as mm-hmm. well. So you're right. It could happen in any neighborhood. Yeah. So we need to be vigilant. We need to be alert. We need to know our neighbors. We need to care about our neighbors. We need to, you know, pay attention to what's going on around us and mm-hmm. be available when there's a need like that. Yeah. What was the hardest thing when you made that shift to move downtown? Again, you you lived in the suburbs and mm-hmm. probably most of your life, and uh, um, and again, it's a great big house. 
it's uh but you know you've got uh, uh it's it's with your son and, mm-hmm. and sometimes some other people too and, right. and it's a different neighborhood and what were some of the hardest transitions of uh, of making that move well i think uh after living in northeast lincoln for 30 years i think the most difficult thing for us and particularly for marcia was uh leaving the community behind that we were a part of both mm. in the church as well as you know, in the neighborhood that we were a part of yeah. prior to that. Uh, but the the great thing is, is that over the course of time, you know, if people move, they understand this, that there's the, while you leave behind a community, you're entering into a community. And uh, mm-hmm. so we've made new friends, we've made new relationships, and they don't replace the old ones, but they are, they're still a wonderful thing that, that makes life a good thing. And so, mm-hmm. so that was probably the most difficult thing uh, I would say, you know, initially when Mark, he was the first of our family to move down there mm-hmm. and Marsha was not a fan. She was concerned about his safety, but, uh, over the course of time, you know, you, when, especially when you move in and you're there and you get to know people, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that fear and anxiety about, is this a safe place goes away when you realize that, you know, God has placed me here. This is where he wants us to live. These are the folks that he's calling us to love and serve. And, you know, when you have faith in God and a commitment to what he's giving to you to do in life, then, you know, there's a confidence in that that enables you to to face whatever it is. You know, love your neighbor as yourself is for every zip code, yes. I guess, is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. And there, and, the, and I guess, too, there, uh, when we moved to, to the Southwood neighborhood years ago, the... Uh, you know, everybody has images of what Southwest Lincoln maybe is, but I can just say that within within a mile of of Zion, there is every kind of situation mm-hmm. basically. And right. yes, there are some wealthy homes and some some up, more upscale neighborhoods, and there are some very humble places and right. rentals and and everything in between. And right. I, I grew up just about a mile away from there, and again, a lot of two bedroom ranches, working class folk. So there's right. there's, there's every kind of Lincolnite. Is, yes. is, in, is in our neighborhood, right? And I and I uh, uh, and probably not too far from you now. The Telegraph District is going to be. Oh yeah, it's going to yeah. change things, isn't it? It has changed things. Yeah, and uh, you know we have, in fact, uh, we have uh, more college students living on our street across the street from us. Mm. You know, so the neighborhood changes. I think that's always going to be the case, mm-hmm. but the the mandate I think from Jesus does not change yeah. and that is to love our neighbors to make disciples as we have opportunity yeah you know that's the thing that that does not change that we have to just continue and there's you know we have a city full of folks you know with you know who even though their circumstances may be you know quite varied at the core of their being they are one in the you know one in the same you yeah. know yeah. they need to know this god who loves them and wants to work in their lives. Yeah. Amen. All right. Good. One last break. When we come back, we're going to do a little shameless plug. All right. And, uh, well, who knows what we might talk about. Uh, it's a Friendly Fire Saturday here on uh, uh, The Voice of Lincoln, uh, 1499.3 KLIN. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN.
Welcome back. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking today with uh, Pastor Bill Thornton here from F Street Neighborhood Church and Jacob's Well. And uh, Bill, it is that time of the program where we always do a shameless plug. So I expect at least two shameless plugs from you. Oh, two. One one for both uh, Jacob's Well and F Street Neighborhood Church. Oh, that's great. Plug away. Well, I'll be more than happy to do that. Uh, First of all, May 26th, coming up is Give to Lincoln Day. Mm. And Jacob's Well is one of a host of nonprofits that on that day you can give to your favorite nonprofit and there is a small matching gift. It's not equivalent to the gift, but a pool that's been set aside um, that can be of money that can be added to the gifts that are given. So when you give a gift anytime between now and May 26, which is the actual give to Lincoln Day, uh, there will be a little bit added to your favorite charity. So we would encourage you uh, to remember Jacob's Well and your favorite nonprofit on Give to Lincoln Day. It's a great opportunity to to help bless and encourage these, I mean, I think there's hundreds of them actually, local organizations mm-hmm. that are doing great good in our mm-hmm. city. And what is the Jacob's Well website again? It's uh, jacobswell lincolncom Okay. So Jacobswell dash. Yeah, yeah there's a there's a hyphen in there between Jacobswell and Lincoln. Yes. So yes. www.jacobswell-lincoln.com. Gotcha. And All right. uh, and then uh, number two, F Street Neighborhood Church. We have a cool thing that's going on behind our building, our church building, which is about a hundred years old, is the original church building that was built in 1873 that has just kind of sat there for a while. Mm. We are in the process of raising funds for uh, renovating that into a community art space. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be really awesome for not just our church family, but for our neighborhood Mm. around 13th and F Street. Mm. So there's more information about that, too, at our church's website, website, which is www.fstreetchurch.org fstreetchurch.org yeah yeah you know with a building that old could is there any i suppose if you just take money for historic you know renovation then you've got to have the strings attached and so forth is that was that considered to make it a like a historic landmark or something you know i'm not for sure on that i know that the university was involved in terms of their school of architecture and does make coming up with the design for what's going to be done Mm-hmm. You know, essentially right now it's just gutted in the inside and mm-hmm. it's ready for work to be done. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's, uh, you know, there's a desire there to, you know, downtown Lincoln is a place where a lot of artists gather and congregate and, uh, and just thinking that that could be a, a great place. We're trying to also, our, our, uh, creative arts director, her name is Gene Stryker, mm-hmm. uh, from our church family. Uh, is really great about helping people discover the artist that is within them. And Mm. that is, uh, you know, I've always thought of myself as not very artistic at all, (laughs) not very creative at all. And she has really kind of helped me dispute that notion that I have had, Mm. um, that really there is within us a creative sense. We're all created in the image and likeness of God. And because of that, there is this, you know, this creative sense or urge that we just need to discover and and put into practice and uh, and so it's i really am excited about the possibility of you know a a part of town that 
that is really experiencing something of a renovation itself, you know, with the south of downtown Lincoln stuff that's been going on, that in our part of that, our corner of that neighborhood, that there's going to be some additional stuff mm-hmm. uh, take place that will give people an opportunity to be creative and express themselves. Yes, yes. God, God is the, uh, he's the first creator, and, and the, it's uh, some, uh, several people have noted that, that in, in Genesis 1 and 2, you get a kind of a pattern here. God has an idea. Uh, God effectuates the idea, and then he stands back and critiques the, uh, what he's done. So, that's right. Uh, so that's, that's a, in essence, the creative process. You get an idea, you effectuate the idea, and then you stand back and you evaluate. And God looks at what he made, and he says it's good. That's right. And uh, so that, that process, again, is in, kind of embedded in creation. It really is. It's a, it's a very cool thing. Uh, you know, with uh, jumping topics a little bit here, uh, again, continued hardship in uh, Ukraine and so forth, and the, the, the possibility of uh, more refugees, who knows, maybe working their way here. Uh, we, we get a pretty steady stream of refugees. Uh, mm-hmm. How much does, does the refugee population impact uh, downtown? Uh, is, that a, is that a... It's a, huge. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are... Um, we've noticed this with, uh, with the uh, U.S. pullout from Afghanistan, mm. that there were a number of Afghani refugees who made their way to Lincoln as well as other mm-hmm. places. And a lot of those folks are our neighbors downtown. And I anticipate that we're going to see some of the same sort of things uh, from Ukraine as well. In mm-hmm. fact, it it really is a melting pot downtown. It's mm-hmm. not unusual to hear lots of different languages being spoken uh, by folks who are our neighbors, and mm-hmm. uh, which we love that. We just think that's a, a really great way of, you know, when I was a, a youngster, one of the things that I thought maybe God wanted me to do was to be a missionary, to go live my life in some other country Mm. and what's of course it never did work out uh Mm. but uh what's really been cool is that in many ways the world has come right to my doorstep Mm. and we had the opportunity to impact a lot of different folks from a lot of different parts of the world and Mm. that's kind of cool how god i feel like has kind of answered that that curiosity or that desire that i had even Mm -hmm. as a young person yeah to yeah. represent him in another part of the world. Yeah, and the, our old facility at Ninth and D again, there was there was a church full of immigrants, Germans from right. Russia, exactly and, uh, all those churches down there. Uh, and, and and I know we had uh, German speaking um, uh, worship services until the 1950s. Right. And so there were. Uh, it's funny how you know we complain about people learn the language, and it's like well. Immigrants, it takes them a while to learn the language. Exactly. And uh, and Zion had, you know, churches in German for about right. 60 years. Right. Well, I think the St. Paul Church, which is the precursor to the F Street Church, mm-hmm. uh, similar story. Yeah. I think it was folks who immigrated. Yeah, yeah. Hey, just a couple of minutes left. Okay, we've talked about loving God and loving our neighbors and, and uh, the love of Jesus and all that kind of stuff. You got two minutes here to tell me, how did Bill Thornton come to love G- and want to follow Jesus? Well, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, the short version. Okay, I'll try. It was <laughs> a long time ago. I had the incredibly, uh, incredible good fortune to have been raised by parents uh, who were Christian and active in the church. My dad uh, was an elder in the church. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. So from day one, I think the first Sunday I was in the world, I was taken to church, and mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. They modeled what that looked like. It wasn't just go to church. It was live the Christian life. Um, my dad gave me a book when I was a young man 
that really um, uh, in his steps by Charles uh, Charles Sheldon, mm-hmm. which basically asked the question, "What would Jesus do?" Mm. and that question impacted his life, and it has impacted my life as well. So mm. that's the shortened version. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, do you remember, was there a particular time? You could, it sounds like you kind of grew into your faith. Uh, and... I did. I made a profession of faith when I was 11 years old. I felt God calling me into the ministry when I was in high school. Mm. You know, it was just kind of one, I didn't hear a voice, but I had this sense that, um, I don't know of a better way to invest my life than to serve Jesus. And mm-hmm. so I began looking for avenues to do that. And it wasn't long before our minister of our home church back home, um, you know, kind of encouraged me and helped me know, okay, this is the direction you're going to go and need a, in need of in terms of schooling if that's the path you're going to pursue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm grateful that you did. I am too because – it allowed us to meet and to yeah. become really good friends for a long, long time. Yeah, let's, and it's going to keep on going. That's the Lord willing. That's yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Thanks so much for taking time to be down here today. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, a great opportunity to catch up here with Bill Thornton of uh, F Street Neighborhood Church and Jacobs Well. Uh, just uh, again, appreciate Bill and Mark and all that he does down there. I leave you saying, as I always do, to think about it and talk about it. We'll see you next week.